calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 23. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast featuring strange stories by strange authors for strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well, we've obviously changed things up on you listeners a little this week. You may have either been disappointed or delighted to see that we're delaying the production of Black and White Animals 3 one more week. There are several reasons for this, the main being that the alien that played the voice of Emperor Mertzatz uh, apparently has a staph infection, and we're still trying to find a replacement. At the same time, we're currently being sued for slander by a zookeeper in southern Wales named Bernie Champion. He says we're tarnishing his good name in the story. Oh yeah, And not to mention the famous legal battle going on right now that I'm sure you've all heard about with Drabblecast and Paramount Pictures over the title Black and White Animals 3, Dark Alliances. Yeah, apparently they have a movie coming out by that namesake in 2009, some romantic comedy starring Jude Law. But we should have all that wrapped up by next week, so no worries. The deadline for the haiku contest still stands, though, and we aren't accepting any more votes or haikus. Well, no, I take that back. We'll always accept a good haiku. You just won't win anything for it now. Well, since we left you people hanging with the black and white animals stuff this week, I knew we had to make things up to you in a big way by having a really kick-ass story featured in its place. 
Today's story is Momentum by Kevin Anderson. In the past four years, Kevin's work has been published more than 50 times in magazines, both online and in print, and in more than a dozen speculative fiction anthologies, such as Darkness Rising 2005 from Prime Books and Death Grip, Exit Laughing from Hellbound Books, just to name a few. He's also had a piece on Pseudopod, another great weekly horror podcast magazine, if you like today's story, check out Liberation, episode 36, at pseudopod.org. So, without further ado, Momentum by Kevin Anderson. The world wasn't ending quickly like a well-placed shotgun blast in the mouth but rather like Dwight always figured it would, twisting and squirming, sucking in every last foul breath, hoping for just one more shot at life. Dwight knew his time was limited, but he was making an all-American effort to see how long he could last. Not out of any survivalist mentality, it was more just plain old-fashioned curiosity. He wanted to hang on to the end, to see how the world would finally blink out. Would there be a bang or just a pathetic whimper? Even after it really hit the fan out there, Dwight never ventured far from the carnival grounds. His fellow carnies had all left in search of family members to be with, but Dwight's family was still here. The decaying facade of the carnival, its dust-covered rides, the derelict concessions and the rigged carny games were the only family he needed. The gaming area, where bows emptied their wallets trying to win a badly stitched together teddy bear for their wide-eyed gals, was the place Dwight spent most of his adult life. So why should he leave, just because the world was ending? By the time the girl had wandered into the carnival, Dwight could hardly remember how many weeks it had been since the world lost power. Had it been weeks? A month, maybe? He watched the girl limp over to a bench located next to his area of expertise, the strongman game. He had been watching her for a while. She staggered, fell, pushed herself up, and then finally collapsed onto a wooden bench, its paint peeling in handfuls from the chemicals and unnatural compounds that much wiser men than Dwight had allowed to rain down from space, an event CNN had christened the Last Catastrophe. He waited until she had risen into a seated position before he approached. He walked straight at her, doing his best not to startle her, she looked like she had been startled enough. Dwight was surprised that her head didn't rise as he neared. He purposely shuffled his feet, attempting to capture her attention, but her gaze remained downward. Perhaps she had fallen asleep. He stood just on the tip of her shadow and took a minute to examine her body. It wasn't in great shape, but whose was these days? At least she still looked human, mostly. Her clothes were threadbare, only enough left to cover the areas demanding concealment in the former modest world. 
Hey, you alive? Dwight said. Her head shot up with a start, eyes wide. It seemed for a moment she was going to flee, but her body didn't appear to obey. Her arms rose for a split second, then collapsed into her lap. Her terrified expression melted away into a kind of acceptance, and she sighed. Dwight took a step back, doing his best not to appear threatening. Now, I ain't that ugly, is I? He smiled, showing a few missing teeth. He looked very much the picture of a carny. Tall, wiry frame, gaps in his smile, dirty t-shirt, unshaven. But in a world where most were losing their teeth, hair, and the proper use of limbs, as random appendages began to mutate into less human-looking extremities, Dwight was feeling pretty darn good about his appearance. End of the world or not, the bar on the scale of attractiveness had been lowered considerably. Bet you think it's all about strength, Dwight said. She managed to raise an eyebrow. What? Dwight pointed to the strongman game, an oversized sledgehammer leaned on the launcher. Smacking that bell between the ladies' honkers. At the top of the game's pole, some twenty feet above the ground, was a painted woman, her breasts heaving forward and the bell just covering the nipples. It's not, you know. Dwight got down on one knee like a man preparing to propose. It's all about momentum. I know. I used to work this game, you know, when things weren't so different. He wasn't sure, but for a second Dwight thought she tried to smile, at least in her eyes anyway. What did, what did you used to do, you know, before? She grinned as if what she was about to say was funny. I was a mortgage banker for a title company. Dwight ran his fingers through his greasy hair. No idea what that is. Guess it don't matter now, do it? She nodded and definitely smiled. Uh, I'm Dwight. Carrie. Nice to meet you, Carrie. I don't... I don't mean to... She leaned forward. Do you have any food? Dwight looked around as if searching for listening ears, then said, Not on me, but I I got a place under the fun house. It ain't much. Can't you, can you just get the food and bring it here? Dwight smiled, shaking his head. (laughs) Don't trust me, huh? Hell, I don't blame you. God only knows what you've been through, what what we've all been through. She sat back on the bench, averting his gaze. Look, it's, it's not safe to bring food out here, and besides, it'll be dark soon. You know what that means, don't you? Carrie nodded slowly, seeming to relive some horrific memory. Dwight slapped his hands together, getting to his feet. I'll tell you what, Carrie. 
if I can ring that bell three times using only one arm, would you come back with me? She looked up at him. I'm sure you can. You used to work here. Dwight walked to the oversized sledgehammer leaning against the game and picked it up. Okay, you caught me trying to be sly, but I just can't pass up the chance to show off for a lady. He held the hammer out, as if asking for permission. She smiled and might have even blushed. Well, go ahead. With one hand, Dwight started swinging the sledgehammer around in big, over-the-shoulder circles, each circle building in momentum until finally he brought it down onto the launcher right on the sweet spot. The shot rocketed up and smacked the bell. Like I said, nothing to do with strength. He repeated the action and rang the bell again. By the time the pang of the third ring had faded, Carrie was sort of clapping. Her hands were coming together, but not hard enough to make any sound. Dwight dropped the hammer and held out his hand. It's all about momentum. Now, uh, we better get a move on it, because uh, that bell tends to attract the ones that slither, and a couple of them suckers are awfully fast. She nodded and took Dwight's hand. He pulled her up and was amazed at how light she was. Couldn't have been a hundred pounds. She walked most of the way, but needed to grab hold of his shoulders as they were descending the stairs in the funhouse. Dwight sealed the door behind them and then stuffed towels in the cracks of the door. The night wanderers had a very acute sense of smell, and more than once they'd stumbled down the stairs following the aroma of Dwight's flesh. The towels did the trick. When Dwight finished, he turned to find Carrie looking around, candlelight flickering over her eyes. Dwight reached for one of the middle-sized sledgehammers he had begun polishing just after the world started to go. He propped it up on his shoulder. There's no food down here, Carrie said, a look of realization consuming her face. Dwight nodded. <laughs> there is now. He swung the hammer. It connected squarely with the side of her head, right on the sweet spot. Her head left her body cleanly, like a bird being picked off a fence by a BB gun. Her headless form hung there for a moment, like a marionette with its strings cut. Then it slumped to the floor. Dwight held the business end of the sledgehammer up in his right hand, amazed at how little blood spotted its surface. He believed it was because he didn't bludgeon his food like some wild animal. He swung the hammer artfully, a master of momentum. Well, that was our story. I hope you liked it. Whether you meet one at a swanky bar on a Friday night or in a post-apocalyptic circus tent, it's never a good idea to go home with a carny. They'll either break your heart or 
break your skull wide open. They never want to commit, you know? It's like they just view you as a piece of meat or something. Okay, alright, I'll stop. Well, that's all for this week. Comment on the website, www.drabblecast.org, and tune in next week for episode 24 to find out who won the haiku contest. Send in your flash fiction of 1 to 2,000 words to drabblecast at yahoo.com. The Drabblecast staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you that it's not about strength. Corner table sits Lance Fernandez, the boss, and as women surround him like clothing, all tussled and ready to toss, all tussled and ready to toss. He mutters these words to his Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.